Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. Don't wait for opportunities in life. Make them. When you have an opportunity, don't take it. Master it. Never rest on your laurels. These are quotes from my guest today. Dr. Bill Dorfman has not only achieved the pinnacle of success in a highly competitive industry, but redefined it and created a business empire based on his innovation and leadership skills. Dr. Bill, affectionately known as America's Dentist, is the most famous cosmetic dentist in the world and recognized for creating smiles for many well-known Hollywood names. In fact, Dr. Bill has become a star in his own right as the featured dentist on the hit ABC series Extreme Makeover, where he performed amazing dental transformations on the show's participants, as well as being a recurring guest co-host on the new Emmy-winning daytime CBS talk show The Doctors. In addition, Dr. Bill is a world-renowned lecturer and author of best-selling cosmetic dentistry book The Smile Guide and the New York Times bestseller The Billion Dollar Smile. And more than that, he's an inventor and brilliant entrepreneur who has brought award-winning innovations to the world of dentistry. In this episode, Dr. Bill shares how to recognize and create opportunities in order to achieve the life you truly desire, how to build and lead a good team, the power of mentorship, why it's good to copy genius, and why we should always give back when we can. summer and I have passionately dedicated the last 12 years of my life to creating the ultimate human experience mentally, physically and spiritually based on the most powerful ancient teachings and cutting edge modern discoveries and technologies. The Superhumanized Podcast is a show committed to sharing what I have learned from the world's leading experts in order to help you achieve your full potential and create your best life ever. Bill, it is so great to have you on the podcast. Put a big smile on my face when I knew you would make time for me. Thank you so much for coming on the Superhumanized podcast today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, I want to learn a little bit about your background first. Also, it gives the audience a good baseline because I'm going to delve into all of your achievements very shortly. How did you initially get into dentistry? I went to dental school. (laughs) <laughs> of course and <laughs> thank goodness but how what did you have a specific inspiration to go into that particular field it was really funny i'm watching manifest right now on netflix and i'm yeah. literally addicted and i honestly feel it was my calling yeah um as weird as that sounds i was a little kid playing around in my living room, I fell down and I knocked out my upper front teeth at the age of two and a half. Wow. And where most normal kids would have been petrified of the dentist because of everything I I went through, I actually was fascinated that this man could put me back together and, and, and then do a lot of the other procedures they did after the accident to make sure that my permanent adult teeth would grow in 
normally. And I thought, this is something I really want to do when I grow up. I want to fix people like this. And I think that in life, we all have certain gifts. And, and I'll, I'll give you a, a quick explanation. I took piano lessons for 10 years. And I really loved playing the piano. And one day my piano teacher came to the house and said, when you're done with your lesson, I would like to talk with you and your parents. So we sat down and I thought she was going to tell them all these wonderful things about me. And I was half, she started off saying, your son is so this, but he's really not gifted in music. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I'm like, what? She goes, in fact, I feel like I'm stealing money every time I come here. (laughs) She said, he may be talented in something. It's just not music. So this will be his last piano lesson. And that was my last piano lesson. And she left. And I guess I appreciate her honesty. Now, the flip side is I've never taken an art class in my life. And from the age of, I don't know, five or six, I could literally draw anything. I would sit in class and draw the teacher and sketch whatever I could just draw. It it just, it, it was nothing I had to learn. It's just how I was wired. And so this artistic part of me was something that was really innate. And apparently I'm not musically gifted at all. When you put together my fascination for for dentistry and healing and taking care of people, and then the fact, you know, that I had this innate kind of artistic ability, cosmetic dentistry was just the, the perfect field for me. And I think I really realized it in dental school, when you're sitting in a class with 135 students. And it was just never hard for me. And even when I worked in a clinic right out of dental school, I went to Switzerland and I worked in a Swiss dental clinic with 15 other dentists. I would see how a lot of these dentists would really struggle. And it it just, it, it really always was very natural for me. It, 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 it was never a struggle. It, in fact, I love challenges. When I get patients who have really difficult, challenging cases, like the stuff I did on Extreme Makeover, you have to understand ABC scoured the country to find me the most impossible patients you could ever, ever work on. And for me, that was just so much fun. I literally had a guy come in that had one hundred teeth. Wow. <laughs> it was like a shark in his mouth. You've oh, never seen God. anything like how it. Does, how does something like that even happen? Is that a complete, how would you call it, aberration of nature? How does It was. Like it yeah. was. We actually didn't do anything for him on the show because it was beyond the scope of what I could do in, in a few months. But we had some really, some of the stuff we did do on the show was dealing with these difficult cleft lip, cleft palate yeah. cases and things like that. But yeah, it was always fascinating for me. And I always love a, a challenge. And the thing I, that's really cool is once in a while, I, I, I'll have a patient with this really unique problem And I'll just come up with the solution and not something that's ever been done before or published before, whatever. And then I have to explain to my lab, like how to make the teeth. And it's, it's just really fun and exciting and challenging. (laughs) 
I can hear there's a huge passion and also a joy that emanates from you when you talk about how you basically became who you are today and also what you're doing daily. I mentioned it in uh, the introduction. Uh, your, your, your passion has grown into one of the most prestigious cosmetic dental practices in the world. You are literally known to millions as the Michael Jordan of cosmetic dentistry. And most people, when they go to the dentist, they have some kind of a trepidation. And with you, you have a, it seems to be completely different. You have a loving following of 1 million plus on social media. What do you think makes you so different and also so incredibly successful? I teach a program every summer called LEAP. It's a motivational leadership program for high school and college kids. And It's a week-long program. I'm super excited because UCLA is going to let us have 100 kids this year live who are vaccinated, and we'll probably have close to 10,000 virtually. And we really teach the kids a lot of different things. But the one thing I always say, if you only walk away from LEAP with this, I feel I've accomplished my goal. And it's this. Number one, Don't wait for opportunities in life, make them. Mm -hmm. If I meet another millennial who tells me they're waiting for the universe to show them something, I just want to scream and pull my hair out. The universe <laughs> is busy, okay? <laughs> the universe doesn't care about any of us. We have to care about ourselves and we have to make things happen. So you really need to be proactive and make things happen. The difference between successful and unsuccessful people is that successful people get stuff done. So A, don't wait for opportunities in life, make them. And B, when you do get an opportunity, don't take it. Map. Yes, I love what you just said here. That's some really profound insight and also advice. And I also love that you create opportunities for others, talking about your LEAP program. And with regards to creating and manifesting what you want in life, you're also the founder of Discus Dental, which is one of the world's leading dental companies. And you helped lead the company from its inception to more than 1.3 billion in sales. And you did this primarily via award-winning products, tooth whitening, Zoom, and also Bright Smile. Can you talk about the process? Because you're also known for saying, I don't create products, I create category killers. So let us hear a little bit about that. This was a perfect example. I'm sitting in my dental office in 1988, and the very first tooth whitening products come out in the market. And I'm using them and they weren't great. The flavoring was bad. The packaging was horrendous. It literally came in a baggie <laughs> with, <laughs> with syringes that didn't have any printing on them or anything. You don't even know this because you're too young, but before Xerox machines, we had something called a mimeograph. And we basically, when we would copy paper that It was on this flimsy, cheap paper where the writing was pinkish, bluish that would fade. And it was horrible. And one day I'm sitting in my office and out of the blue, I get a phone call from the, the, the leading tooth whitening company at the time saying, Dr. Bill, 
you do more tooth whitening than any other dentist in the country. What is it that you're doing that really helps you move product? And I think that they were trying to figure that out so they could teach other dentists. And I took that as an opportunity to say, hey, I got to be honest with you. I think I could sell a lot more if you would make the product better. They're like, what, what do you mean? So, well, I said, the taste is dis disgusting. The packaging is worse. Da, 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 da. And I didn't even want any money. I said, I would love to be on your board and help you really improve this and make it a, a great experience with, and they listened for a second. And the, the guy was like, how long have you been practicing? I said, just like four years. He goes, yeah, okay, thank you. And then they hung up. And this is a weird thing, but every time in my life that I've ever done something purely with a philanthropic motive, it's turned out to make me <laughs> incredibly successful monetarily in other ways. And so right after that happened, I'm at the gym where I go every day. That's my heaven. And a woman comes up to me. I'll never forget this. Her name was Cynthia Hearn. I didn't even know her. She walks up to me and she says, would you like to help raise money for children's cancer research? And I was like, yeah, who wouldn't? And I wasn't wealthy at the time. I was just starting, but I figured I could do something. She goes, you are a dentist, aren't you? I go, yeah. She goes, and you're single, aren't you? I'm like, yeah, it's weird. Mm -hmm. She goes, we're having a bachelor auction for a thousand women and we need 10 men that we can auction off. And I'm like, all right. To be honest with you, it was humiliating and stupid. But what wasn't was the guy in line next to me was a man named Robert Heyman. And Robert was the son of Fred Heyman. And Fred Heyman created Giorgio Cosmetics and Beverly Hills and a lot of other things. Fred was a marketing genius. And Robert was my age. And he grew up in this household. And he was an MBA from Boston. And, and together, we formed Discus Dental. And I told Robert about my idea. And he thought it was a great idea. And we literally built that company, as you said, from zero to $1.3 billion in sales. And we did all the things that I told this other company to do that they didn't do. We did it better. And we basically dominated the market. We did not create a product. We created, as you said, a category killer. And I love walking around and telling people I invented Zoom. They get so excited. <laughs> I tell them it was Zoom tooth whitening, not Zoom video conferencing. But it, it still was Zoom. Yeah, you're the man who created the billion dollar smile. And of course, what you just shared with us, there's a lot of important insights and advice with regards to creating a successful business in there. Another component is you're oftentimes entrepreneurs, especially when you start everything yourself, you feel like you have to manage and take care of everything that happens. And people often have a tendency to micromanage. But what's really important is actually also building the best team possible. So you don't have to do that. And so you can keep doing what you're really great at and building and scaling such a huge business and all the other endeavors you're involved with 
Bill, when you build your team, what are the main things you are looking for? You know what? It's funny you asked me this. And this is something I've never even said on a podcast, but two things come to mind that I, I really want to share with your audience. Number one, when you start a company and you build a team, one of the things that we all forget to do, and it's so incredibly important, is to share your vision. What, let's say I gave you a, a crossword puzzle. I gave you a box, a thousand piece crossword puzzle. But I didn't give you a picture of what you were building. I just gave you all these puzzle pieces. How much harder would it be for you to do this thousand piece crossword puzzle than if I actually gave you the box where you saw what the final picture was supposed to look like and you could work toward that? And I think a lot of people in leadership roles forget to share the vision. And when you do that, it's really hard to motivate your team and to get them on the same page. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, as a leader, it gets incredibly lonely at the top. When we were running Discus Dental, at our peak, we had probably 850 employees. And when an employee has a problem, they go to the boss. When a boss has a problem, where do they go? especially if it's a problem with management or other people up at the top of the company. And I was very fortunate early on in my career to join an organization called YPO. And YPO is the Young Presidents Organization. And it's basically an organization of presidents of large companies. The qualifications are pretty, pretty tough. You need to, at the time you join and be, I think, under the age of 45, you need to have over 60 employees and you have to have a company that does, I think, over 15 million a year in revenue. So it's not for small businesses. These are pretty well established. But the thing that was so valuable for me, especially with YPO, is your chapter is about 50, 60 people. You meet once a month for an educational event. And then once a month, you meet with a group more intimately called your forum. And your forum is a group of usually eight to 10 people. It can be all men. It could be men and women. It could be all women. People have their preferences. My forum, my original forum that we met with for 10 years was nine people. Eight were men. One was a woman. And you meet every month. And for four hours, you talk about your business, your life, your loves, your marriages, your kids, your divorces, your everything on a very intimate but confidential manner. And I'll tell you something, that group was so critical to my success and my mental well-being, you have no idea. Because we're living in a world where you get bombarded with all kinds of criticism and doubt and social media this. And I mean, and you really need to filter like what really matters. And like I tell my kids, if somebody on social media writes something mean about you, you can't let that bother you. Here's some person hiding behind the screen that writes something. But if your best friend walks up to you and says, hey, you know what? You're really being a jerk. That matters. So you really need to get a perspective on things. And having a group of eight to 10 people who know you intimately and can act as a sounding board for you and, and really help 
direct you. It's like your own personal board of directors in life was incredibly powerful. Your own personal board of directors in life. I love what you said there. Yeah, most of us tend to crawl up inside of our heads and try to deal with our problems in there. And that can end up being very unhealthy. And to get a real perspective, to have people who care about you, who know you intimately, as you said, who are your peers and also your mentors at the same time, that yeah. is priceless. And I'll tell you something. I tell kids this at Leap all the time. You say meaner things to yourself than you would ever let anybody else in the world say to you. You have to talk nicely to yourself. It's critical. And the, the great thing about being in a form like that is, is just the support that you get. And it's so effective that it's a big part of LEAP. I teach kids how to be in mastermind groups and we put them in mastermind groups at LEAP. And in fact, I'm having dinner with a mastermind group of kids. They're all college age kids that I started at the beginning of the pandemic and they've become very close. And it's really been helpful for all of them. The other thing I also tell kids is that we compare our deepest, darkest insides to everybody else's bright, sunny outsides. Ah, uh, wow, yes, so true. We look at our own worst sides and compare it with the best sides of the others. Of course, that leaves us in an emotional and mental place that is not particularly happy. Very exactly. well put. Yes. Those kids are very fortunate to have you in their lives. And I know what you're doing with Leap Foundation is a, a something you're very passionate about. I'll also make sure to put that in the show notes so our audience can learn more of a very uh, worthy foundation. You're basically helping raising the leaders and the successful people of tomorrow. So from your life experience, being an extremely successful person yourself, having dealt with so many successful people, and of course, also seeing these young kids who are growing into successful leaders, do you notice certain traits that all successful people have in common? There's a lot of them. And I'll tell you, one of the main things that I love to teach kids is copy genius. When I first started practicing dentistry, the last thing that Beverly Hills needed was another cosmetic dentist. So instead of sitting there opening an office and pounding my head against you know, the floor, trying to figure stuff out, what did I, and, and I just did this intrinsically. This isn't something that was popular at the time. I called the five most successful cosmetic dentists in LA, in Beverly Hills. And I asked them if I could come in and, and shadow them. This wasn't even a thing back then. We were talking about 1986. Pe people, shadowing wasn't, it, it wasn't even an idea. Like that never happened, but I did it. And when I went into these offices, I didn't just, and I've had hundreds, thousands of students come and shadow me in my practice. And 99.9% .9 of them will come in, they'll stand by me chairside, they'll watch me work and they'll leave. That's not what I did. I went in early. I wanted to see how the office was set up. I wanted to see what forms the patient filled out when they came in. I wanted to see what the language was that they said to the patient before they brought them back to the treatment room. I wanted to see how the doctor reviewed 
the treatment and explained the treatment and then how the financial officer came in and explained the payment and how they would get paid. I wanted to see the dentist then perform the treatment and then take the patient back to the front desk, schedule the next visit, collect the payment. I wanted the whole thing. And even today, I never have students do. Why did I do that? I'm a weird dude. I get it. I'm not. I remember when I was five years old, I was in kindergarten and I came home and my, my parents still joke about this. And they said, son, how was school? I said, yeah, school's okay, but the kids in my class are so immature. <laughs> I was five. I love it. <laughs> I was never a little kid. Uh-huh. I, I, I was ne- I was always a grown up. In just in a little body. I, I, I remember when I was six, I came home and I had this epiphany. I came home and I said to my parents, we need to have a conference. <laughs> like, what? what? What do you mean a conference? You're six. I said, no, we need to have a conference. And I sat my parents down and I said, I have a proposition for you. And they're like, what kind of proposition? I said, I think I'm finished with school. They're like, really? <laughs> based on what? I said, I can read now. So I think I'll just learn everything on my own. And they're like, yeah, no, (laughs) you're going back to school. And I was not an argumentative kid. Like I even asked my parents this recently. I said, mom, did I ever get in trouble for anything? I don't ever really remember getting in trouble. She goes, no, you were the perfect kid. I really was like, I just, if there's a good way to do it or a right way to do it in a wrong way, why would you ever want to do it the wrong way? And when other kids were like getting into trouble and I never smoked, I never took drugs. I like, I never did anything I wasn't supposed to do because you guys say it best. S is verboten. I just knew it was forbidden. Why would I do it? No. So it's, uh, you basically, what I hear and what I see when you describe yourself as a little kid, as somebody who already very much had his own inner compass and knew that it was not only important, but right to follow it, which brings us back to what you said before, which is don't wait for opportunity, but create it. And I love all these insights and also definition of success you've shared with us. What is your view? What is failure? It doesn't exist. Uh Uh-huh. I I never fail. Ever. And I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. If you do something and it doesn't come out the way you want it to, I don't look at that as failure. That's practice. Then you do it again and again until you get it right. You only fail when you quit. And the other thing you have to remember is we're all taught to believe practice makes perfect. It's not true. Practice makes permanent. Um, So if you keep doing something the wrong way, you're never going to get good at it. What you need to do is you need to, if you don't do it the right way, get a mentor or go online, or or learn, but don't just keep doing the same thing over and over again. And don't look at something that you attempted to do and didn't succeed at as failure. Look at what you can learn from that experience. Look at that as practice and do it until you get it right. Excellent. I love your outlook, Bill. Bill, there's one question I ask every guest who comes on the podcast. 
Are there any practices that have greatly benefited you mentally, physically, or spiritually that you could share with us? Any practices? Yeah. yeah. I never give up. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> never, ever. If there's something that I really want to get done, I, I will do it and I won't quit. And I'll tell you something else. I said this earlier in the podcast, successful people get stuff done. I think one of the saddest things I ever saw was I went to my 40-year high school reunion and there were some people there that were incredibly gifted in so many ways that just never did anything substantial with their life. Mm. It, you know, it's, oh, I always thought about this and that. Like, stop thinking about stuff and do it. You're never going to know until you do it. And I can't stress that enough. Yes. Oh, God. I love what you're saying here. You are so en engaging and passionate about your message. You're truly putting a big smile on my face. I couldn't agree more. For people who want to connect with you and learn more about you, Bill, where can they do that? I'm probably the only person with 1.4 million followers on Instagram that actually answers all of my Instagram. So you can DM me on Instagram and I promise you it will be me. It's not a fake person or a robot or whatever. And I will answer you. Perfect. And I'll put all those connections up in the show notes, Bill. This has been a great conversation. Lots of insights on humanity and leadership. Thank you so much for your time. No, thanks for having me. It was a blast. Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. 